This is the CineSnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 166 of the CineSnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Jocelyn Durand. So um, it's been a uh, tough week, to say the least, here in the United States. Um, yeah, everything's on fire and everyone's going crazy. Yeah, so um, we're going to just talk, uh, we're not going to talk politics uh on this show because that gets, us into, that gets us into trouble <laughs> we use it in tangents and people there's there's like one guy that specifically hates me for any kind of um i wrote reviews of like uh terrible movies that had to do with like soldiers mm-hmm. you remember this cody oh i remember it well this is this is a strategy that i've enacted which i'll tell you in just a minute but please okay. continue well like uh there was a movie called uh act of valor and it was about like navy seals which fine. However, what made it bad was they cast actual Navy SEALs, mm-hmm. and they're not actors. Like they were bad, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's I, for whatever your stance on whatever they do is is irrelevant to the fact that they couldn't act. And I wrote a bad review of that, and uh, this guy really flamed me online. And like, uh, I think he sent me an email, really nasty about it. And uh, mm-hmm. then he was mad when I hated uh, Lone Survivor. Mm-hmm. Also, um, the Mark uh, Wahlberg, uh, Peter Berg movie, where <laughs> oddly enough, uh, apparently the first in the trilogy of Mark Wahlberg, Peter Berg movies where Mark Wahlberg plays this incredible hero that never actually existed. <laughs> Is the other one uh, the Patriot Act or whatever Patriot the- Day? Patriot uh, Day, which a movie that I actually Patriot really love. <laughs> <laughs> actually, our Patriots Day, right? That's I think it. It's Patriots the- Day. Yeah. Did you see that, Jocelyn? The Boston no. Marathon? It's mm-hmm. actually a really good movie if you look past that part. The fact that Mark Wahlberg's cop like never really existed and he's at literally every scene. <laughs> like he's the guy that connects all the dots. Oh, this was about the Boston bombings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wanted to see that. It's actually if if it weren't for that thing, it'd be a really great movie. And I think otherwise it it is. I think there's some really good uh, performances in that. One of the not the Jonas Brothers. One of those other like boy band guys played uh, one of the bombers, and actually did really well. And they had a bunch of like uh, fake surveillance video that looked really cool. Anyway, where was well, I, I going got with pa- this? Patricia Heaton uh, threatening to sue the news the student newspaper I worked at in college because <laughs> similar reasons. Uh, it was she was in a movie or a, it was a miniseries on TV called the path to 9-11 and i just mentioned that she you know was a strong supporter of the bush administration that's legitimately the sentence that i said which was a fact mm-hmm. and she threatened to sue the newspaper so i don't think you can you know speak politically without pissing someone off but what it's, oh go ahead what was her stand like she was suing she wanted to sue because that was she said that wasn't true or because that was I slanderous think because, well i i think she said slander however i mean it was my review is an opinion on the piece and it was a fact that she was a supporter of that administration so there was you know really no leg to stand on but i think she was just trying to scare us what a weird stance to take yeah (laughs) so that's crazy i I get it i get it where you're coming from you know it's Uh. been something that through the years on cinesnob um you if there is a military movie in any capacity if you write a bad review, you will get flamed. And for that reason, I have not written a movie about uh, the military for Cinesnob. It's actually oh. It actually has just kind of worked out that way, but I've, I've actually never been on the receiving end of it yet. 
Did I ever tell you? Um, you have no war stories. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so I believe it was Act of Valor um, that I uh, that I uh, was seeing the the preview screening for, and um, I showed up a little late. And, and Jocelyn, um, I don't know if you, I, yeah, you have worked with um, our, a former colleague of ours, Jessica Headley. Mm-hmm. Um, she had invited. Um, she was at the screening and invited like some some veterans to to come to, which was totally fine, you know. Um, however, the representative for the movie, um, you know this story, Cody. I think <laughs> I, uh, I do. <laughs> this rep for the movie came, uh, or was she's kind of notoriously not very good. I won't name her name, but uh, you know she's you know she's the one we check in press screening with for press screenings, and we get there and um, she. Uh, she says, uh, or when I get there, she says, well, all the seats are full. You know, uh, Jessica Headley brought these these veterans. And I said, okay, well, you know, uh, I can find somewhere else. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. And she goes, excuse me, excuse me, sirs. One of the, one of the, a member of the media needs to sit here. So one of you has to move. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, God damn it. Don't do that. <laughs> Did you ask them to salute you as they got up and oh, left? No. I was like, I mean, everybody was to, to their credit and everyone's credit besides her everyone was very polite and nice and it was fine but it was just so terrible like such terrible optics like look i don't i can go sit somewhere else it's fine i'm just checking in with you i didn't demand any seat like especially from you know this group of veterans that came to see this movie that right obviously they have a deeper connection to than i do like, um, i'll sit on the floor yeah I like i mind. just oh man whatever but she was that was very embarrassing and like like so stupid of that person which we won't name but anyway mm-hmm. um yeah so that's as political as we're going to get today so right. sorry everyone um but we I know were... people come here to get their politics fixed <laughs> we are going to get uh, a little political on uh, the new HBO Max streaming service mm. which launched this week uh Jocelyn do you ha- do you have access to that I I don't. I have HBO Go. Um, I'm a big fan of HBO in general, but I'm an, a later adapter. I like to try to wait a little and see if something is really worth, you know, well, I think my hard-earned you money sh- to. I think you actually should have access to it. Yeah, oh. you should. Since you're okay, paying great. for HBO. Well, that is just a pleasant surprise. Thank well, you. Well, there you go. Happy well, uh, happy like, Sunday. And the fact you. the fact that you don't know that I think <laughs> speaks to one of the big problems that HBO Max is currently having. Right, people. right. And I think that's probably the the biggest issue we want to talk about here is that um, um, this is, of course, the new streaming service called HBO Max. That's really, um, really like everything Warner Brothers. Right, is what you would kind of blanket it at. I know now it's called Warner Media, but um, it's been branded as HBO Max. Not, not the greatest branding, I don't think personally, um, just because it there's already an HBO Go, which is um, you know the service you get when you subscribe to cable HBO, and then there's HBO Now, which apparently has been pretty much folded into HBO Max. That's my understanding, yeah, because HBO Now is the like standalone HBO product that you could just purchase. Without a cable subscription or anything else, right? So, so yeah, Jocelyn, you have um, if you have a cable subscription, then you you automatically have a subscription to HBO Max. Max. Which, um, sorry, uh, you can't um, <laughs> you can't get it if you have a Roku TV or an uh, an Amazon Fire Stick 
uh, it's not available on those two um, platforms, which account for something like, what was it? What was the percentage of that, Cody? Was it like 60? It was 60%, yeah. Which is uh, pretty uh, terrible uh, for launch. And there's a lot of complaints about uh, the organization of it that I know, Cody, you seem to disagree with, but... I, I think that, so I think that it is, it, it, you have to dig and get used to the, like the organization of it. And I think once you get used to the feel of it, it's not super difficult at all. Like, could there be better categories? Sure. Could the categories be moved up like four clicks? Yes. But you know, like, like one article I was reading, I think it was like a, a Gizmodo article was kind of like lamenting the, the fact that, that like. It has ruined the, this perfect product that HBO Go was. And literally, if you just scroll down and click HBO, it's the same goddamn format that has all of the TV shows, <laughs> all of the movies, all of the specials, like everything organized exactly how it was. And I think that it is a weird thing to cling to organization when if you actually take the time and browse through the library, it is maybe the most vast film library I've ever seen on any streaming service. And then also the TV show library is, is is pretty crazy too. But I mean the film library is insane. Well So I'm I'm in now. I literally just oh, nice. did it. <laughs> I don't work for HBO, but that was re- relatively easy. And um I have to agree, I think it's pretty cool. I'm already looking at like they have categories for Turner Classic movies. And that's a lot of criterion stuff in there too. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Are you looking at it on your phone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it, it actually looks maybe a little better on the phone. Or no, wait. No, you complained about that. That's right. Phone. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Get I your complaints a... straight. I'm Jared. sorry, Cody. <laughs> um, I did have it. I was able to get it on the Android TV device that I have. Um, and I was not a fan of the layout. But I, I think it's um, it's a weird concern to me to. And I think this is probably the fault of the branding is that people are. The, the Gizmodo article you mentioned kind of uh, talking about how it, it degrades the HBO name. Yeah. And the like the high profile, or not high profile, but like high quality and programming. They, said, they also talked about like being like like curated with prestige, which is kind of weird. Look, whatever. Um, I mean, I've, I love a lot of what HBO does. There's a lot of it that I don't really ever participate in. But uh I think probably the biggest thing for me is the sort of lack of uh, verticals for like um, specific things that they have. And I think the lack of them too, like for example, there's not a single Superman movie on this platform for whatever reason. Well, it's, it's, it's right stuff. I mean, by the end of the year, all Superman movies will be on there. They've well, already I don't said know, that, but I don't know where they are now, you know, like where I, that, beside the point, Look, I'm just I'm just happy that that Disney Plus does not have the Mighty Ducks movies and they are currently on HBO Max. So now I have the Mighty Ducks movies and I'm fine. What y'all are looking for is so specific. It's like Superman and Mighty Ducks. Well, <laughs> like, well true. I just want to watch I just want to watch Superman 3 again. Have either of you ever seen Superman 3? It's bizarrely stupidly nuts. Mm, no. I don't think so. But I know had, I know plot details of it because of Office Space. It coast mm. well, yeah, but it co-stars Richard Pryor, right? And um, anyway, this it's about like computers, but when people didn't really know anything about computers, so they were big and scary. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, 
I think it, it at, at this time it feels a little less than complete. Um, Man, I don't. I just don't know how you can say that with the thousands of movies on because, here. Like, because because the idea is that I should be able to go watch every, and you know I get it. There's rights issues, whatever. Um, but to have like none of the Nolan movies, Nolan Batman movies, none of the. Um, uh, you know, Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Not even uh, Man of Steel or Superman Returns is on there. But what I does think that tell you about superhero movies, though. But, oh no, they have a whole like DC section. <laughs> they have a whole okay, DC section. Does. But again, the thing is, they have already said in press releases that by the end of the year, I think they said every Superman and Batman movie that's been on screen will be up. So it's either like launch now and get access to all of this stuff or just like literally wait until you have rights to every single thing you could possibly want. I mean, I just, I don't think it's any different than something, you know, Disney, again, Disney plus launching without Mighty Ducks and saying that it's incomplete, you know, like it's <laughs> well, the same okay. argument. But I, I get, I get it. I get that. And I think they've remedied that a little bit by having it be so accessible for people that are already paying for HBO. Yes. Um, cause I think if, if I had to shell out 1499 for this right now, I would not be very happy with the, uh, lineup. I, I don't, I haven't delved into any of the originals that they have at this point, which I think is basically some Anna Kendrick thing. Yeah. There's and, an Anna uh, Kendrick show. There's the Elmo new, talk show. An Elmo talk show. Yeah. That's what they're <clears throat> promoting a lot. Yeah. There's here. a, uh. A new series of Looney Tunes cartoons. Oh, yes, yes. And it does there's... have a shit ton of Looney Tunes. I don't necessarily uh, like the way those are organized because they're they're organized by seasons and it doesn't really make any sense. Um, yeah, what I have noticed, if there's anything, is that I think there there's a lot of... When you go into like the full seasons of the older catalog stuff, there's some stuff missing. Like, like I was, I was just, just searching through... Like the who's because it's got like a whose line is it anyway archive from like the Drew Carey years, mm-hmm. and if you if you search through them, they're all out of order and there's stuff missing. It's it's there's some organization issues there, but just the sheer amount of content. Like I like I was I was talking to someone the other day. Like it has every piece of Alan Partridge content there's ever been on TV, and as someone who's been like actively looking for Alan Partridge stuff and a place to watch it, like that is that that alone for me is like worth the selling point. Because it has, a, they have a BBC relationship. So there's every episode of like Doctor Who. There's the British Office. There's Gavin and Stacey. There's all kinds of stuff. But why not just add it to the original HBO application? Like, why do they continue to do this branching off thing? That's a and, very good question. You know, yeah. like um, we were talking about, there was Go. Now there, and then there was Now. Well, and now there's Max. It's it's. I think it's partially a naming issue. If they would have named it something differently then you would have known that this is HBO plus other things. But now with the HBO branding and the amount of content that has nothing to do with HBO, it is odd. Yeah, I mean, because like they, they highlight the Big Bang Theory, for example, right at the very top of the page. And I don't think anybody associates that with HBO branding. Right. I mean, I know it's a Warner Brothers product. Um, it's kind of the same. Um, I, I've heard that, that uh, CBS All Access will also get some sort of, there'll be a Viacom uh, streaming service that'll be separate from uh, the the CBS version, even though now they're the same company again. Yeah, um, yeah. The splintering off of it, I, I just don't get. Like, there's, I don't necessarily mind um, there being this catch-all service, and, and I don't care that much about the branding. I don't think it's a great idea, but uh, 
at this time, I, I just, it feels a little messy. And I guess that's to be expected with the rights issues being spread out all over the place. But then there's other stuff that, you know, that's, that's very well curated. Um, like the Looney Tunes stuff, it just isn't organized very well. Yeah. And um, I think that's the biggest issue I have with it is that it's, they also, you know, it's hard to find stuff sometimes. Yeah. But they also did things like they, they purchased the rights to get every Harry Potter movie on there, which was something that they did not hold, but they worked a deal out with. Uh, I think some like and I think like a TV network has the rights to it, and they negotiated with them. So oh, they like uh, they bought back all the broadcast or all mm-hmm. the streaming rights. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing is like launching with the library stuff. That's that's kind of what I mean with the Superman stuff. Like I want to be able to go watch, like I can go watch every of of each of the '90s, '80s, and '90s Batman movies, which is great. But then I can't watch. Superman, or I can't watch. Yeah, I, I get, and I just again, I, I battle that with the Disney Plus launch and the fact that a bunch of those Marvel movies were on Netflix for a while and had to expire there before they went over to Disney Plus. But then again, Disney Plus was lauded when it was announced, but it was still missing that. It was, I think, missing. A, I think it, Last Jedi was still missing when it launched because that was still over on Netflix. So yeah, you know, it's it's the same. It's the but, same deal. Uh, I just don't know that. Um... Again, I, I was trying to find Superman, and I don't know where to find it. You know, like it's I, it's not their fault that it's 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 not somewhere else, but it just it feels a little less than complete right now. And I guess that's obviously to be expected. But it, it, you know, for the price that I'm not paying because I've already got <laughs> HBO, you know, it's it that would be kind of a deal breaker at this point. But yeah. Anyway, well, I've so, been in, I've been enjoying old episodes of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, I I, I have too. Yeah, I finally started watching that again. It's you it's had great. me at whose line is it anyway? I have been wanting to watch old episodes of that when I just want to not think about things. Yeah, that's what <laughs> so, I was thinking about the other day too. Yeah, I want to watch the old British ones. Did you ever watch those? No, they I were s- on early Comedy Central. Didn't they? <laughs> ha- wasn't Ryan Stiles on that? Yeah, Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery uh, were on there a lot. Uh, Greg Proops was on there a lot. Um, I, I think it was before Wayne Brady really hit, and Wayne Brady, I don't believe, was ever on there. I think he might have been at the tail end. I think I remember watching a British episode maybe, where he was on. Maybe, but this was like the early 90s. Clive uh, <laughs> Clive Anderson was the, the British host. I mean, it's it's the exact same show. I mean, it's literally, like, the set looks exactly the same. But uh, Just the, drier. Yeah, well, and there's, um, you know, comedians you don't really... There was, there was an awful lot of American comedians on it. Even back then, um, but, more jokes uh, about chips, <laughs> yeah, crisps. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, crisps. Crisps and chips. You get them confused. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, it's the Drew Carey version that's on there, right? Yes. Not the uh, not, not the no. modern one. Not the Aisha Tyler. Aisha Tyler. No. It's still nope. the same goddamn show. Yeah, it was the same cast and everything too. I noticed. Um, I we watched some recently, and I noticed that Ryan Stiles and Colin Mockery are executive producers. So ah. good for good for them. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> I mean, that's really all they do now. I think. Uh, anyway, um, speaking of um, Colin Mock, I mean uh, Ryan Stiles being on the Drew Carey show. Another alumni of the Drew Carey show was on Space Force. Wow, that's a segue. <laughs> Diedrich Bader. Was in the first episode for uh, a couple of seconds. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's a that is I know. that is an impressive segue. Thank we should you. play Six Degrees of Whose Line Is It Anyway? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I we think uh, yeah. Anything? Oh God, yeah. Um, the Wayne Brady stuff is. Um, I, I think Wayne Brady's probably the like, the one the people associate most with the new 
with like the American like version? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I think. Anyway. Um, yeah, so moving on to uh, Space Force. This is a new series on Netflix. Jocelyn, you haven't seen any of it. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on whether I should or not. So, Cody, you got to see an early preview of this. This is the new series from um, Steve, uh, Steve Carell and uh, Greg Daniels, mm-hmm. who, of course, worked together on The Office. And Greg Daniels just had Upload um, last month released on uh, Amazon Prime. Was that last month? I don't know. Time is, I think so. is nothing now. Uh, anyway, so this is a new series on Netflix um, based on uh, the idea that uh, President Trump is creating a space force to have space combat. I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's just spoiler alert. We didn't really care for, him for it. <laughs> yeah. So you watched the the first three episodes, Cody, and bailed. I yeah. watched the first two and bailed. Yeah, uh, it's it's disappointing. So like when when the show was before it came out, before screeners were out, there was an email that was sent out by the Netflix PR that had like a statement from Steve Carell that that troubled. Like I re- I read the statement, and I was like, uh oh, this is in trouble. Which is essentially Carell being like, yeah, uh, Netflix just came up with the idea to have a show called Space Force. And I was like, oh, that sounds funny. Let me call Greg Daniels. And Greg Daniels was like, yeah, let's do it. And then that's that's like literally how the show started. Like it wasn't anything other than just the idea of it. And I think it really shows when you watch the show. Um, I got through three episodes. I have no real desire to finish it. And I think, you know, Carell's character in it, he's doing like this sort of vocal affectation where he's sort of like, like, gritty and in like almost like a grunting like like hardcore voice I, I don't know how you would describe it but it's really annoying and it's and knowing steve carell just it's it's like a it's like a, a bridge too far i think on on his characterization you know it's almost like you know I, I saw a lot of people comparing it to like the first season of the office where where they didn't make michael a very likable character and couldn't figure that out quite yet and mm-hmm. I think that that's that's maybe an okay comparison, but at least Michael was funny, <laughs> and and I think uh, the the biggest sin that the that the show commits, if anything, well, there's two. One is that it's it's not funny, and the second is that it wastes what is ultimately like a really good cast. And um, I think from based on what I've seen, John Malkovich gets the best of it, though I don't really think that any of it is terribly funny. Um, but like when I saw, I like Ben Schwartz does almost nothing in the first three episodes worthwhile. Um, uh, Tawny Newsome I think is really funny, and she doesn't get much to do in the first three episodes. Uh, and Jimmy O Yang does very little as well. You know, just basically all these side characters who who don't do much, and even the guest stars. And I think it really culminates in um, you got to episode two, which is the thing I want to talk about because <laughs> this is. And I and I really I'm not speaking hyperbolic here. It is one of the most unfunny episodes of television I've ever seen in my life. Like I would <laughs> I, like I would rather watch like four hours of Big Bang Theory than have to sit through that thirty minutes <laughs> one more time. So let's clue Jocelyn in on the plot line of this. Yeah, sure. Let's let's so, go for it. So okay. So the idea is that uh, uh, Steve Carell is a career Air Force general. And he finally gets promoted to four-star general and that he gets to head his own branch of the military. He thinks he's going to head the Air Force, but then he heads Space Force, the newly created Space Force. Anyway, uh, 
he's disappointed. Cut to a year later, he's at a they're at a base in Cal- in Colorado, and they launch this satellite that apparently is uh, I don't know what the the story is. Is it like a defense thing? I don't know. I don't because they that talk it about says. like they talk about the internet running through satellites, which is first of all that's not how it works. Second, um, they launch this thing and then it, it gets immediately sabotaged by in this in a ridiculous scene by uh, like another satellite cuts its solar panels off. So the second episode is spent with the is, is focused entirely on having to uh, repair this satellite. Yes, and they do so by. Uh, enlisting the help of a chimp who was sent up in a secret um, uh, launch before with a dog that was meant to be viral, generate viral videos. And they enlist this chimp to, uh, to make the repairs on the satellite. Yeah. So, so the whole thing is about like, it's this, so basically there's another way of, of fixing it, but Steve Carell's character refuses to listen to the scientists. And instead they want to try to teach the chimp enough commands to be able to fix a satellite. So it becomes this painstaking episode where they literally are watching on a screen as they're trying to teach a chimp how to fix a satellite. And it's just fucking... They didn't even teach him on, you know, Earth before sending him up there? No. (laughs) So (laughs) So he's learning in space? (laughs) He knows sign language. I mean, you're laughing. Maybe you'll like this episode. Yeah, right? (laughs) Well... I'm laughing because it's ridiculous. But here's the pr- here's the problem with with Space Force. Like this is obviously based on the ridiculousness of the premise of Space Force, right? You know, as presented by President Trump. The problem is that was like ten thousand controversies ago, mm-hmm. and it's not even that big a deal. Like it's just sort of dumb, right? Um, because it, it just sounds dumb. Which is the entire premise of the show. Right, that they're just so stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, but but the, the problem is the show doesn't really follow through with that. Like, it doesn't really, um, you know, it doesn't really have the idea that that this is, um, you know, it's... It doesn't have any bite to it. I mean... Well, it's supposed to be satirical, obviously, but the satire is so limp... And, you know, they, they don't name Trump, obviously. They allude to him heavily. But, like, coming out this weekend of all weekends, like, it's such limp, shitty satire. Yeah. And that, ha- that has no bearing on anything, like, that, that really, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything to promote, um, you know, criticism. It's just dumb shit. Did y'all see Avenue Five? No, no, I didn't. I heard it was not great. It was, and that was it. It's sounding very similar. Where I love uh, the creator of that, who did In the Loop and um, Veep, and I was really excited for Avenue Five. And it sounds like it. It was the same thing, where it's just inept people in space, and it's like that's not funny. Y- yeah, it's sort of that, but also it's it it is trying to be a political satire. Like there's even Jared, I don't know if you picked up on this because she's a prominent character in episode 3, but there's like an AOC Oh, well character. yeah, there's I mean it's it literally oh, yeah. those um Which her those... name her her character name is Annabella Sidero Campos. Like it's literally it's Well yeah, and there's like the senator or uh representative Palazzi and then uh, Yeah. I mean it's just it's it's limp <laughs> limp 
ass satire that that doesn't really satirize anything because it, it so the idea that there's a space force sure fine it sounds ridiculous it sounds completely stupid but the 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 execution of this doesn't lend itself to anything being you know anything being like bad about it like it'd be different if this was like oh space force and it's run out of something that's really shitty and i I don't know there's just no there's no satire to it to be found and again it's it's the weakest of targets for this stuff um it's the lowest hanging fruit because who hasn't made fun of space force already right yeah but, it, but it's just—it's just not funny. Like I like I don't I didn't la- I in three episodes the only episode I actually laughed in was the pilot. The second episode, the the chimp episode, is so <laughs> god awful. I didn't I did not laugh. <laughs> Sorry, once. every time you talk about the chimp, it just makes me laugh. Oh, I mean it's it's so, so bad. <laughs> so the the joke of this chimp thing is that Trump wanted to send or the president. Sorry, the president sent this uh, secret cargo up filled with uh, assault rifles to prove that they would work in space. And they added a chimp and a dog to the satellite or to the whatever it is, the capsule to uh, to get viral videos that people would like. Like, that's the joke. (laughs) And it's 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 okay, But like. This it's like uh it's like the worst Saturday Night Live uh, Alec Baldwin Trump segment. You know, like it doesn't really like it's it's funny enough, but it doesn't really bite at all, like satirically. And which is what it really should. Uh, and, and I think what it thinks it's doing, but it does not have any kind of any kind of teeth to it at all. And I, I think that's the biggest problem with it at least through these two episodes that I was able to make it through. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't, I, again, to be fair, two episodes is not really enough to judge the whole thing on, um, but it's not off to a good start. What if, <laughs> what if the rest of the season just totally blows your two minds? That'd be crazy. I'd be, I would be, I would 100% recant everything I said. Um, uh, from what I can tell though, since Netflix releases all of them at the same time, it doesn't appear that that's the case. Um, it does. It does seem to, according to other uh, reviews, get better as it goes along. But I don't think it ever kind of crawls out of the hole. Yeah, and it's a deep hole that it crawls itself into. It's uh, it's really disappointing considering everyone involved. And even you know, if you look at recent recent history, I think Greg Daniels did a great job with Upload. I think we all liked it enough. Yeah, and thought it was pretty good. And this is this is. Um, you know, to have Steve Carell back, you know, I, I think that you have to, you have to leave your expectations of the office in space at the door, um, because I think that's what a lot of people were probably thinking, and it couldn't be further from that. But it also couldn't be further from anything that made that show or anything else that Greg Daniels has done successful. Like even Upload has some satire to it that works as yeah. Know, I think I think Upload's yeah, I think Upload's social commentary is is much better. It is. I, I sure. don't think it's you know it's not obviously not nearly as uh, as focused on a specific thing, but I think it's much better satire than than this is, um, you know, with the you know sort of the the monetization of death and all that other stuff. Which yeah, 
I would be I would be genuinely surprised if Space Force gets a second season. I mean, it, it would only be on the back of Steve Carell, I think, because it's being received very poorly right now, um, it, as as illustrated by an argument I got into with Kiko on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> well, that was my question. Was it ever intended to be something that was going to be sustainable, or was it? My impression was that it it the, this thing came out, this announcement was made, and they kind of heard it and thought, wouldn't that? I mean, it's kind of already a joke. Everyone's laughing about. Let's make a a show about it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it was already kind of thrown together. Um, you know, it didn't sound like there was a lot of expectations for it to be, you know, a, a long-running show. I wonder if any of the actors expected it to go on past, you know, one, maybe two seasons. I don't know. There's a lot of money invested in this. Um, it's super it's, high budget. I mean, it, it looks great. And, like, the chimp stuff that we talk about <laughs> with the doc, like, that's all, I, I believe that's all CGI. Yeah, no, they they must they had to have had a huge visual effects budget for this. Yeah, so like you can I, see the money on the screen, like it it looks great, and it you know it's like it looks cinematic, and it's it's it's, it's a it's a stacked cast. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Carell, uh, you know, uh, John Malkovich, those are like your two leads, and then uh, you've got you know filling in the the outside, you've got uh, you know uh, Ben Schwartz. Um, who's the guy that plays the secretary? Um, that guy's been in a million different things. Oh, Don uh, Lake? Isn't Jane yes. Lynch in it also? Jane Lynch is in it. I, she was only in the first episode I saw. I didn't okay. see Jane Lynch, um, Noah Emmerich, uh, Diedrich Bader, um, uh, Diane Bacadal. Patrick Warburton. Is- Patrick Warburton. Uh, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a, it's like a, it's a great comedy cast. Fred Willard is in it. Um, but it, it, the idea that it just kind of is a dud isn't very helpful. And, and I, you know, we're going to get an argument over this, Cody, again. But oh I wonder how releasing it on some sort of weekly schedule <laughs> close to product, like closer to production would have would have changed it. Like if there could be like a reception before the because like the office had six episodes in the can. They released those. And then they saw the reaction, and they saw what worked, and then it got way better. Yeah, but that's just not. I mean, I I don't know, man. I I just don't believe because I mean, even even something like like Parks and Rec when they had their when they had their uh, you know when they got really good, which was in season two, which which was a huge step up from season one. They were making episodes and churning them out because Amy Poehler was pregnant. And they were having to like push through um, breaks, and and they were just having to make every episode and just hope that what they were doing was you know was going to be well received. And it just so happened that they figured it out on their own how to make it better. And so I just don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I and, and and with a with a show with this big of a budget in terms of like visual effects and things like that, I don't even know if that would have been feasible. I, I yeah, probably not. I just think it's. Um... There's a lot of stuff about this that seems like it's too late to fix. Yeah. Ma- mainly that the main joke is already <laughs> years old and right. outdated. And anyway, uh, but that is on Netflix now if you want to watch it. So I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I will try to watch the rest of it to be fair to it. Um, I just the first impressions were not good. Right. Because you can't really truly say something is horrible unless you said that you've, you know, gritted your teeth and watched the whole darn thing. No, it's true. It's true. Um. Yeah. So if I it, again, if if it changes my mind, I will gladly recant. But 
Okay, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have The High Note. Margaret! Margaret! Hi. What do you think of this? Do you think it's too booby? Mm, yes. Oh. Perfect. You can go. Oh, okay, great. Thank you so no, much. No, not you. You guys can go. Thank oh, you. Oh, Thanks. Okay. okay, bye. Bye, Ms. Davis. Well, Margaret, yeah. are you sure all of this is still okay with you? Um. Because after that little show at the recording studio, I'm, I'm not sure. Because if there is something else you want to be doing, I don't want you to be here if you don't want to be here. No, Grace, I will, um... Yes? I want to be here. Good. Because I want to go through my closet and donate things that aren't sparking joy or whatever. This stars uh, Dakota Johnson and Tracy Ellis Ross. Um, kind of a... I would, would you call this a romantic comedy? I don't know. Mm. Sort of? I don't... Coming maybe, of age, maybe, maybe a little kind of. I don't know, Jocelyn. Tell us about the high note and what you thought of it. Sure. On that note, um, of not knowing what uh, kind of a movie this is. Note. You and said doing note. a pun. Um, so we have Dakota Johnson as a personal assistant to a major diva singer, um, played by Tracy Ellis Ross. Uh, very similar to what you might expect her mother, Diana Ross. Um, you know, she's kind of. Uh, you know, rides private jets and her poor personal assistant and is always running around, you know, three phones, uh, responding to different things, uh, getting her green juice, that kind of a thing. But um, her personal assistant has dreams of becoming a producer. Um, and she has this, you know, encyclopedic knowledge of music. Um, and then of course, I think you can call it a romantic comedy. She meets a young man and, um, really tries to become a successful producer. The stories kind of intertwine in a surprising way that I won't give away. Um, but all in all, I really enjoyed this, this movie. I don't know if it was because this week was so, so hard and it was just such a welcome distraction. Um, it definitely was because Tracy Ellis Ross was just amazing. Um, I, you know, am not a, a huge fan of Blackish. I've never really seen it, but she was one of my favorite parts of this of this movie. Unfortunately, she really doesn't kind of come in until the very like the second half of the movie. I would say a lot of it is dependent on Dakota Johnson, who I find a little stale in most things she does. It's like anti-acting is sort of <laughs> her style, in my opinion. Um, but all in all, I enjoyed it. Uh, I liked the music. And um, and at the end, I, I, I know Cody said it got a little like sitcom-y. It, it gets a little <laughs> sappy, but it's, it, it is what it is. It's a feel-good movie, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's uh, uh, also the actually uh tracy ellis ross singing right right yeah that's what um that's what i read that uh she was kind of nervous to do so i would imagine in her you know mother's shadow that would be nearly impossible to do um but she does great and, and is really talented cody yeah i have a different take <laughs> um <laughs> 
Look, I, I, I think that to start off with the things that are good, I, I think the musical part, I, I mean, I think the thing that you have to be careful with when making a mus- uh, movie about music is that the music needs to be good in order to, like, make you buy into the whole story that's going on. And I think some some movies don't capture that as well as others. And I think the music is, is fine in, in here. I think it's believable. I think you can buy Tracy Ellis Ross as a, as a huge singer. I think you can buy you know, uh, the character played by Kelvin Harrison as, you know, someone with a lot of talent. So I think that works. I think Kelvin Harrison is actually the best part of the movie. Um, and I think he's been on a pretty good run recently. Um, like it's so even, you know, I, I think you and I both had some problems with waves, but I think both agreed that he was pretty good in waves. Yeah. Um, He's the first half of waves, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a, He's good, but the, that first half of that movie is so predictable. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I feel the same about Loose, where I didn't like Loose, but I think he was really good in Loose. But um, uh, I think the, the, there's there's some issues for me here that really graded on me. I think that um, I think the movie has an authenticity problem, where I don't think that it, it a lot of it feels authentic, even though it's convincing enough as musicians. I I don't know that it. You know, like like the idea and the conversations in which like Dakota Johnson and Kelvin Harrison meet, I think doesn't feel authentic. I think that that feels like a shitty meet cute. But uh, uh, I, I also think that the the major problem it has is that a lot of the characters are extremely unlikable, and I think specifically with the case of Tracy Ellis Ross, I don't think I think that her character doesn't have any humanity until far too late in the game. And I think it, it causes, and I and I understand the meaning behind it. I understand she's supposed to be this very disconnected from reality diva type character. But I think it also, I, I think the movie wants you to feel her humanity. And there's a scene in, that happens in the bathroom at like a, a a boardroom meeting at a at a record studio that is supposed to give her humanity that I feel falls completely flat because it doesn't do any legwork to really pay that off. And it's especially, that scene is especially troublesome for me because it also tries to shoehorn this idea uh, of gender and race um, and make that a point when it had not been spoken about before and it is not spoken about after. And, I, and it just feels like it's really, they, they really tried to fit a message in there that's not really so much as hinted towards up until that point. So... For me, I was I was really bothered by this lack of humanity that Tracy Ellis Ross's character had, and I feel like, and and then you have Dakota Johnson's character who is also doing some not so honest things, and it just leads to a bunch of people being shitty. And uh, to me, it was not very enjoyable to watch. So um, I, I had a lot of problems with that, and then of course I have the problem with the ending feeling like a sitcom and one of and like a really terrible schmaltzy <laughs> reveal that I really did not like. And it's literally has no time to breathe. I think that idea that happens in itself would not necessarily be bad, but when you put it with like 15 minutes left in the movie and then there's like two scenes after it, it feels just like a quick punctuated thing that has, you know, no meaning other than to wrap up the movie in a way you may have not expected. And I also think there's some like, like random side characters who add nothing to the mix. But I uh, overall, I, I just, I, I could not get into it because I couldn't empathize with any of the characters on screen and had a big time problem connecting with it and, and did not enjoy it for that reason. 
Well, luckily, I'm a personal assistant um, and a major uh, diva, so mm-hmm. I can empathize. <laughs> no, um, um, one thing about the ending, which we're not going to reveal here, um, I, I, I'm kind of split the difference between the two of you. I don't. I think I'm probably leaning a little more towards Jocelyn's side, but the ending uh, was done much better. Um, it's still ridiculous, but done much better in a movie called Crazy Stupid Love. Um, sure, which, if you remember that plot point because mm-hmm. um, you. Basically, it's it's sort of connecting some characters that were unre- that were in separate parts of the film in a way that you know you didn't necessarily expect, or in this case, I totally expected. Yeah, fairly <laughs> obvious. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, I I do think there is some issues with Tracy Ellis Ross's character being going from being a caricature to kind of real humanity. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that there's some scenes like the, the, uh, when she's talking to the, the, I don't know the actress's name, but she plays like the, the, per, the assistant that's in charge of like the house. Oh, June, June Diane Raphael. Diane yes, yes, yes. God damn it. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I for, could not remember her name. Um, anyway, she, um, the June Diane Raphael character is so over the top. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of expect this, um, diva-ish behavior from uh, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, too. And you get that half the time, and then the other times you do get, like, a human being. And I think that... Um, I, I think it's it's way more enjoyable when she's an actual human being. Um, though I, I do think there are some kind of leaps of logic where, you know, you don't really know anything about... Um, like her struggles with, you know, the, like you mentioned in the, the bathroom conversation, her struggles with race and age and gender. Um, it's not really represented in the movie before that. Right. And I think that's something that's a little bit, um, you know, should have had more, more, I mean, more but representation it, in the film. It still happened in the movie. It's not like it was like a, a an afterward, like, oh, you know, thrown in at the end. It was but, a scene in the movie. But the only thing that, that it so hints did it. at that point was that she was past her prime. But she says, she brings right. up race into the mix, which is never talked about or hinted at or alluded to at all up until that point. Yeah, and I think that's the issue. Like, I get the being past her prime and in middle age, fine. Um, but when it, when it brought up, like, race and gender... Again, uh, the movie I don't think did the legwork for that. And I she literally, that. she literally says the words race and gender. I believe in that in that scene. Well, I mean, she talks about how um, you know there's only been five women over the age of forty that had number one hit song, and that only one of them was black. Right. Um, you know, I I I don't know off the top of my head who those would be. I know who those women. Would I heard be. an interview with Sia recently, and she mentioned that she was one of them. She Sia said she was? was the only one over 40 to re- to reach number one. And that was why she kind of began hiding her face when she started mm-hmm. um, because she was an older woman and uh, didn't want that to, to play a role in it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I knew that's why she hid her face, but I didn't know she was one of the, the women. Anyway, I, I, I do. According to her. <laughs> I mean, it's pr- probably true. But, um, you know, the, the message there is fine. I don't have a problem with that message. I just think the movie doesn't set it up very well. Um, you know, because, again, all it ever really hints at is that she's kind of way done with, with you know, being the hit maker. Like, it talks about her being, you know, the the kind of consolation prize for her that she's not really wanting to do is the Vegas residency. You know what's... Which, 
Yeah, sorry. No, go ahead, no. go ahead. No, no, no. No, it's just, I, I think it's funny that that's what y'all are harping on because thinking back to it, really what I had a major problem with, which I was, you know, able to overlook was Ice Cube's, um, you know, just tearing down this, you know, this young woman as a producer. Um, and I think that that was also a little schmaltzy that they were trying to say, you know, that these men and that it's a that it's a male's world kind of a thing. And and he was obviously being the bad guy trying to tell her, you know, that this isn't uh, what you're supposed to be in. But it's just interesting that that y'all had such a problem with that scene. But then that whole Ice Cube, like Ice Cube's entire character was just there to kind of tell Dakota Johnson that she wasn't good enough. Well, and, and I do. Um, I. I... I do uh, sort of recognize that as being, um, you know, he's obviously the villain, right? In 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 a, in a respect, and he was so bad. <laughs> what do you mean, like he's as just, an actor? The, the acting was so. I mean, he's just bad. Ice Cube. Yeah. He's Ice Cube whenever he's. <laughs> he, he has he has no range. He just has Ice Cube. Yeah, um, but I do I do appreciate that the movie held off on the schmaltz for as long as it did. It doesn't. It, it couldn't help itself at the end of the day. <laughs> I know, because um, like I like like when uh, they set up the scene uh, with you know, there's a big party at the end, and it, it it Dakota Johnson's character has a plan that you feel like is just going to work out, and then when it when something goes sideways on it, I, I was I was. Um, I was I was pleased that that happened, and I thought maybe that might wrap the movie up, but then it it took a trip to Catalina and like just became the most predictable thing in the last fifteen minutes or so. Can, can uh, I can I just say really quickly about the plan thing? And another thing that annoyed the shit out of me is like they talk about how they want to do this Ocean's Eleven type plan, and literally the only thing is the guy says he can't make it. Like that's that's the Ocean's <laughs> Eleven plan they came up with. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's fine. I, I it like sucks. Any, it's not fine. It's any sucks. time to see Eddie Izzard is is bonus time. For I me, agree. So. That's exactly what I said. And, and I, I assume he's yeah. playing like an Elton Elton John-ish, John kind of a, a person, yeah. Which would be, and look, having Elton John open for you at your album release party, I don't know that that would really right. happen. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, but yeah, that there's the last fifteen minutes and the reveal in the last fifteen minutes are. Pretty schmaltzy. I also um, I liked when they went back to Catalina and Bill Pullman was there, and then you well, I love see, Bill like, Pullman from. But like it's like he runs like this little island radio station. <laughs> like come on, <laughs> come on, with that fake awful voice. God, I hated that. Radio Where voice. all he gets to do is just play whatever he wants. Yeah, he just and he plays it's like, like a uh, just a bunch of old vinyl <laughs> covers. And... <laughs> playing playing vinyl on the radio is some stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I that's how uh, I did it in uh, in college radio. I played vinyl. There you go. It's yeah, also twenty twenty. I, the vinyl's bigger than ever now, Cody. I know I have a vinyl collection, but that's yeah. yeah you you, you have there. that like frame you put it up in while you're playing it. I do, you <laughs> ass. <seen> <laughs> but anyway, I want to get, uh, get one, Cody. Don't worry. I'll give you the, I'll give you the Etsy. <laughs> you link inspired after this. me. <laughs> <laughs> it came from Etsy. Wow. Yeah, it came from Etsy. <laughs> I didn't hear that. That's Even awesome. it was it was a 3D printed Etsy Aww, thing. You're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, yeah, so the last 15 minutes, I, I thought that that's when the schmaltz really kicked in. And I could have done without that. I, but overall, I, I didn't hate the movie. And 
um, thought it was fine. But anyway, what are your grades for uh, the high note, Jocelyn? Uh, a minus for me. Wow. Yeah, I really liked Hot it. Damn. And you know what? I don't. I like I said, it's been a hard week, and I just enjoyed it. It reminded me of like almost like a Devil's Wear Prada, but I hated that movie. It and <laughs> so it was like if that was good and about music for me. Cody, uh, <laughs> I'm on the other end of the spectrum here. I give it a C. Uh, I'm gonna give it a B. I thought it was I thought it was a good time. Uh, I don't think it's great, but it was a good time. All right, let's go ahead and move into our next movie, The Vast of Night. <laughs> This is WOTW Radio in Cayuga, New Mexico, and this is the news for the hour. Uh, what would you like to tell us about yourself? I don't know. Cool, aren't you like some big science girl? Tell me about science. Edward, it's Faye. I'm a sound came through the board and interrupted your radio show. What's sound What's going on, Everett? 718 here at WOTW. We got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight. Yes, I have a story that might be helpful. This is a uh, sci-fi movie getting a lot of buzz. Uh, but uh, Cody, uh, I don't think you liked it very much. Tell us about The Vast of Night and what you thought of it. Well, I, I saw The Vast of Night at Fantastic Fest um, back in September, I think. And... Um, it, like a lot of Fantastic Fest movies, as we sort of alluded to last week, um, it had it had a very like all sizzle no steak problem where it was a, like stylistic stuff that that was garbage, um, and so I really wanted to give it another shot and see if my opinions changed at all. Um, so basically, it's a movie that takes place in the fifties, um, and uh, it is. It is about these two, I, I guess, teenagers. I don't know. The kid in it acts like he's like 40, but uh, it, it's about these two teenagers who one of them is at a radio station and one of them is at like a, a switchboard for like a telephone switchboard. And uh, essentially there is a sound that comes through on the radio broadcast and over the switchboard and they try to figure out what it is. And they kind of field calls from people who um, are telling stories about a potential alien or ufo type thing um is that sum it up well enough yeah i think so all right so and it's kind of framed like a uh, twilight zone episode yes that's the other big part yes so so it is and i forget it's it's paradox theater is that what it's called in the movie so it's literally played through like a 50s tv screen and it's supposed to be like an episode of paradox theater called the vast of night um and look i uh I'm gonna I'm gonna say some unflattering things about this movie because it bugged the shit out of me, and there's a lot of things about it that I really, really don't like. Um, and I and I the buzz behind it, I'm having some trouble understanding where it's coming from. I, I think that it commits a few sins along the way. I think that it is it is a really repetitive narrative um in that it is a bunch of people kind of just telling stories. and and, and it's interesting because, the the filmmaking is super frustrating because the film the, the the camera is either constantly moving or staying put for ten minutes at a time, 
And I think it becomes really grating and frustrating to watch because like you'll 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 have like a 10 minute in real time scene of this girl at a switchboard just talking to different people on the phone where the camera doesn't break there's no edits there's no nothing it's just her having a one-way conversation seemingly um well that's not fair because you can't hear the other people can you yeah oh i didn't remember that was it was that channel not on (laughs) (laughs) okay no that would be that would be maddening and insane but yes okay so she was having she was having telephone conversation for some reason i thought it was one way anyway she was she's having so it's like a 10 minute scene of her you know having this telephone conversation and then there's another 10 minute scene of the guy um uh, on the radio station talking to a guy on the phone and there's another 10 minute scene of them talking to an old woman in a house and it's and it's to me it is a bit excruciating to watch and then when the camera's moving, it's oftentimes moving in only a way that is seemingly to get on like the DP's reel where like there's a scene where it goes from the switchboard to the radio station and it passes through this basketball game that's happening at in the center of town. And there's no real reason for that to happen other than for the camera to literally track from one place to the other. And it spends like two or three minutes in this basketball stadium, does a bunch of circles and then, <laughs> and then leaves and heads out. Um I think that uh, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And for me, it gets really repetitive. And I think it it, it tells a lot of stories with very little payoff. It was, it's like if you watched, if, 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 if if you watched Jaws and it was a bunch of people talking about a shark and at the end you saw like a fin and then like, that's the end (laughs) and then that's the movie. Like it, like it's it it's it's really for me grading. I, I think it's it, the vibe of it is good. The fifties feel is good, but it's also got this like really at least in the first ten minutes where they where it's this kid and this girl. Um, and I say kid, he's like seventeen, eighteen, or something like that. Um, walking through this basketball game with a recorder, like a voice recorder, and it's it's like this super fast talking fifties thing. Where like the the dialogue is going a hundred miles an hour and it's and it's hard to keep up with I think on some level, um, and and you know all of the kids are smoking in it and so you know I, I think it does an okay job of getting that fifties vibe but like God I just I I saw someone say that it plays out like a radio play and I think that's an interesting comparison because I think it's probably accurate but also at the same time when you have theater of the mind it doesn't exactly work when you can see fucking images on your screen and you have to watch these long scenes play out of just people describing things with no real, you know, no real affectation or anything else about it other than just listening to these people tell stories that has, in my opinion, no no major payoff. So I, I this movie just kind of made me mad. And, uh, and I didn't, and it's got like shitty cornball stuff. Like the radio station is WOTW, which is just so <laughs> fucking lame. But I, yeah, I, I, I don't understand the love behind this movie because to me it's all vibe and just a bunch of repetitive people, uh, repetitive scenes of people telling stories. And, and like it was in desperate need of some editing because I think these long takes were really hard to handle. Jocelyn. Um, I literally could just say ditto. I <laughs> agree with everything that Cody just said. I think I think what it does is very interesting, but it could have been done in a much smaller capacity. Um, though you know, when they do kind of the uh, television sequences, it's like, oh, cool. But then they go on forever, and you're like, okay, I get it. We can move on now. Like you've made your point. Let's continue. 
Also, you read the premise of the movie. And um, for me, I was like, okay, great. That sounds like that's going to be an interesting start. And that's literally it. That's the entire movie is the premise. And then, like Cody said, it'd be like if Jaws just showed you a fin at the end. That's that's <laughs> all the payoff you get. The whole time I kept thinking this is all foreplay. Like there is no payoff. Um, and <laughs> also the, uh, oh, the radio station is funny because Cody, uh, you know, sent me that, oh, did you see that? And the only thing that I uh, took away from that was I was like, no, on the, you know, west of the Mississippi, <laughs> which I'm sure Jared, you know, they're yes. K's. So I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense because they're in New Mexico. Why is it a W? And then when he said W-O-T-W, I was like, kill me because like <laughs> well if can't... it was if, if it was a clear channel station not mm-hmm. clear channel the company but they anyway. would be a w on the on the west coast like uh WAI that we worked for is mm. that what you're referring to yes but i mean you can't be clever without having a good movie i feel like otherwise you just drive the people crazy because you're like no don't be clever just make a damn good movie first um, and I get the whole dialogue thing. I feel like they were trying to be super creative and like, um, you know, kind of almost like that Tarantino thing where the dialogue is so fast and it moves the story along. Uh, but it really had nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, when I was I wanted to see what other people thought. And when I saw the reaction, I was like, man, am I crazy? Like, <laughs> That other people are saying this is a, you know, like, I I guess the filmmaker, yes, it is a a great first movie for him um, as far as, like, creativity goes. But as far as, like, an actually interesting movie to watch, I don't believe it was. Yeah, um, I I don't dislike it as much as I think the two of you did. Um, Because it is a um, more of a demo reel than anything. I feel like, um, and I think that there's a lot of, uh, like Cody said, a lot of sizzle, no steak. Uh, the, the beginning frustrated the shit out of me, um, <laughs> with the fast talking and the tracking and not being able to get a close up of the actors. Yeah. It was very unnerving. Um, you know, there's sometimes it, it, it reminds me of one of my favorite movies of all time is goodwill hunting. Um, you know, the scene where, um, I actually have a poster of it. I think you know the one, Cody. Yes. Where um, Robin Williams is is kind of calling uh, Matt Damon on his bullshit in a park. Yeah. And the camera never breaks from him. And it's uncomfortable, but it's uncomfortable in the service of the story. Sure. Because you're supposed to be, you know, he's getting lectured and, and kind of, you know, taken down. Um, this does it just for no particular reason. And um, I think that's the biggest issue with it is that none of it, none of the Flash has any particular reason to exist. I did, yeah. I did like some of it. I liked um, the uh, the switchboard scene. I, I didn't mind. It was an interesting take. Um, the um, the the guy telling the story on the radio. It was pretty riveting, actually. And I thought that was a great vo- vocal performance, just solely vocal performance from that actor. Um, you know, when it gets to the old lady, I think it's it's starting to wobble and lose its way um, and and get sort of, uh, you know, mysterious for the sake of being mysterious. Um, and then by the end of it, I don't think that that the, you know, that it all comes together in a way that's satisfying enough to have gone through all this stuff. I, I think that this 
whatever uh, what's the filmmaker's name um damn it andrew uh, patterson i have it andrew patterson I think that that it's a it's a great debut for him. Um, I just hope that it that it leads to something that you know can can be a little more shaped into something that makes more sense. Yeah, um, you know it's it's a really good demo reel. Um, I don't think it it I don't think it connects as a movie that well. the The premise of the like the gimmick of the setup is it's fine. Um, it doesn't really add anything to it. Um, the weird fast talking um, and the the whole basketball thing, like it just seems like they found a cool old gym and they wanted to show it. Yeah, I, I think one thing, <clears throat> and I'm not a filmmaker, so this is just my interpretation. Wait, of, what? Yeah, I know, I know that I come off as one, but it's not. I'm not. I, I, um, you know, to me, the the idea of of long takes and not cutting in many ways is to either build tension or to or to, or to, like you said, create discomfort. And I just don't think at any point it ever utilizes that in, in that particular way, kind of like you said. I, I just, like, again, even the switchboard scene, I know you like that as a take, but there's no real reason to do it that way. True, true. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't add anything. It doesn't create tension because it is a relatively monotonous thing that's happening. I mean, yes, she's trying to figure out this mystery, but you're literally watching her in real time do it like... Like that scene plays out over literally probably like ten minutes, and you could have cut that together and made it a three-minute scene with the same effectiveness. I just don't understand the long take nature of so much of this movie. It just and like the tracking shots even are just purely demo reel stuff. I just it it it, it was I could not understand it. And then uh, the the scene with the the old man telling the story on the radio, it had those weird dips to black. I hated that, dude. I hated that so much. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, grades for The Vast of Night, Cody. You know, as much as, like you said, I, I think as in terms of being like a demo reel of sorts, it's it's competent filmmaking visually. Even, you know, the stylistic flares are there clearly to be stylistic flares and not a storytelling mechanism. So, I, I mean, it's, it's competently made. It looks nice. Um, I, I, I give it a C. I, I, I'm tempted to go C minus, but I'm going to give it a C just in the spirit of, of it being, you know, it's nice to look at, but that's about it. Jocelyn. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, that opening shot where they're following him in from behind to go into the gym, it really grabbed my attention visually. Um, a lot of it throughout the movie does that, but there's just no substance behind it. Uh, I went with C plus. Yeah, I'm going to do C plus too. I don't think that it's, um. You know, it's it's very gorgeous to look at at times, but other times it's just um, a lot of flash that doesn't really have anything behind it. So, um, yeah. What did I say? C plus? I, I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, C plus. just like me. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> we both. I forgot already. Uh, it's all right, all let's arbitrary, go Jared. <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to our last movie, End of Sentence. Who's that? It's nobody. What are you doing here, Frank? Coming to get you. No, thank you. It's for mom. We have to do something for her. What she want? She uh, made me promise that you and I, together, would take a trip and spread her ashes over our lake. Said, if we do this, you'll never have to see me again. A little respect wouldn't hurt you in the lady department. Oh, the lady department? Where's that? Is that, is that next to housewares? Is that aisle seven? Well, you made enough to ride the wave. Hello. Good morning. This is Jewel. We're giving her a ride, all right?
I didn't see this movie, but the two of you did. So, Jocelyn, tell us about End of Sentence and what you thought. Gladly. Uh, so, this is a story um, that we have seen before. Uh, you know, the characters are on a journey to um, disperse some ashes of a loved one. Um, and hijinks, you know, happen along the way. Uh, it's called End of Sentence because the one of the main characters uh, is recently incarcerated. So, he was just let out. Um, he has, like, the nicest parents in the world and is, of course, a huge asshole to both of them. <laughs> um, and then, you know, of course, through the through the course of the movie, he uh, learns to, you know, more about his father um, and they become closer, which is, of course, the whole point of this journey and the person who sent them on it, uh, you know, had it had it planned that way the whole way. Uh, so it's there's nothing new here that we haven't seen, um, but it was done really really well. I think it's it's a sweet movie, and um, and there's some good performances. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I, I'm gonna say um, that I did I did enjoy it. Whether you know I would recommend it, I'm not I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> Cody? Yeah, I, I so um <clears throat> so the lead actors are like the father and son duo is Logan Lerman and um John Hawks. And uh I've been I've been a huge fan of John Hawks for a long time and um I think it's it's a it's a decent performance for him as the father and I think, you know, like he plays a very kind of like somewhat mild mannered, weak person and weak character that um you know, through the course of the movie, because because really it plays out where Logan Lerman is getting out of prison and is super resentful towards his dad, and you don't really know why. And then you know, as the movie goes on, you sort of see that maybe there was some, you know, there was some stuff going on. There's there's some hints at some abuse that was happening as well from the hands of someone out of the picture, and um, and I think those types of reveals I think are really good, and to see that 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 the father actually had you know, some of that in his past too. And and I think um Logan Lerman and, and and is also really good in the movie, I think. And um and and it has an authenticity to it where where it never feels I don't I don't think over the top. I, I think where it starts to feel over the top are the problems that they encounter along the way. Like basically every single scene or every new town they hit in Ireland brings about a new problem, including like a girl who kind of uh, it's it's hard to sort of figure out her where her narrative is going to fit into everything, um, and then it also has this side plot. Jocelyn, I don't know if you agree here, but the side plot about like the motorcycle guy, uh, I don't know that that ever really comes together in a meaningful way. Um, I don't even remember the the guy that they were concerned about the the like the wife like having a long lo- like long oh, lost right, love right, right, thing. Oh right 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 right. Yes yes yes. Yeah, so I I I I don't know, I, and and I think the other thing too, and uh, I don't know if you agree with this as well, but I feel like the the tone could have been a little bit funnier. I feel like there were there was some room for comedy here, like dark comedy or or um, or like some you know some 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 tension relief that could have been done here, and the tone is very serious throughout. And I think any moments of comedy are few and far between. And I think maybe it could have benefited from a few hints of... of, I totally agree with that. Because when they do happen, they almost seem really out of place. Yeah. And you almost feel bad for thinking that they're funny because the the tone up to that point had been so serious. And Yeah. yeah, I think I do... 
maybe also agree with the motorcycle thing. Although I th- I liked that it was kind of uh, giving more background to the the character who was no longer there, uh, mm-hmm. because of course they're they're not there to to sort of paint a picture for you. Um, so in that regard, I did like it, not as it related to the husband. Although, okay, I take that back. Now that I think about, there was that scene with the priest at the very end when Mm -hmm. he, um, is describing the lake that the mother chose to have her, you know, ashes spread. And he mentions, you know, that this is the lake where the deer, uh, lose their way. Mm-hmm. because they get lost in the fog and it was such a beautiful metaphor and it really kind of cleared up the problem that the husband was having in in such a beautiful way that yeah. that I mean for me that that like 2 seconds made it uh I guess reason enough to have that entire subplot I I think I think for me the thing that saves the movie uh, and 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 I say saves the movie in in sort of like the the threshold between being recommended and not recommended is that I think the way that father and son come together works and I think if it right. didn't work I think it sort of hinges on that happening and hinges on that because a lot of it is very by the numbers a lot of it is you know like Jocelyn said we've seen it before even down to the spreading of the ashes road trip thing we've seen before we've seen father and son fight stuff before but i think the way that it comes together uh, at the end makes it feel like the journey was at least worth the time it's nothing great it's nothing to write home about but i think that the performances and then kind of like the way that it wraps up i think is satisfying enough for me and genuinely done so Mm -hmm. yeah for sure all right grades jocelyn I'm stuck. I can't decide between a B minus and a C plus. Hmm. So uh, I think uh, I'm going to land on B minus. Ah, feeling generous today. Yeah. Uh, Cody, what's your grade? I'm also giving it a B minus. I think that it is it is good enough to recommend. I think that it it's it there are some like generic plot points and some stuff that does feel familiar. But that being said, um, I, I really liked both of the performances in, in the movie. And I think that, that it, that, that in itself escalates it to being something that is, uh, is better than it probably could have been with lesser talent in front of the camera. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Next week. What's happening, Cody? Well, Jared, uh, there's a couple movies that are single name female movies that are out next week. So we have Shirley, which is a movie uh, that Neon is putting out, which Neon has been very busy during this quarantine period. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's Elizabeth Moss is in is in Shirley, and it's a uh, it's a movie about it's um, gosh, it's Shirley uh, Jackson. Yes, yes, it's a biographical film about Shirley Jackson, um, and um, and so it's it's getting great reviews. It's supposed to be one of the better movies of the year. Um, so I'm excited about that. It premiered at Sundance this year. Um, and then also we have, uh, are either of you familiar with the movie Becky? Mm-mm, nope. No. Okay, so this is well known for being an upcoming thriller movie starring Kevin James. Oh, oh yes, fun. yes, yes, yes. I have heard of, uh, of is this. Is he on a segue? I wish. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, got- it's got, it's got, Joel McHale is also in it. Um yeah. It was supposed to premiere at Tribeca, but got um, you know postponed, obviously. So it, it caught everyone's attention for being a very serious movie with Kevin James, who I don't know has ever really done that. Wow. Um, so that's also out. And then we'll probably have one more. I'm kind of trying to decide between another 
couple movies because I don't want another uh, chameleon incident here. So I'm, I'm trying to be very careful about what I choose next. <laughs> it has to be a female name if we're doing Shirley and Becky. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to make that work, but I'll try. Karen, find something named Karen. <laughs> yeah. No, that's just America right now. Just watch Karen. the news. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, all right. So if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can find us on Twitter at cinesnob, uh, Facebook, cinesnob critic. Uh, you can find us in uh, our uh, story uh, about us in the San Antonio Current yeah. is now online. So you can uh, find that and read about us and some other Texas podcasts out there, um, including some from our Houston Film Critics Society uh, colleagues. Uh, you can listen to us on our other two podcasts, Re MCU. Reevaluating and rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, our latest episode with Eddie Pence on Thor: The Dark World is out now, and it's uh, something Ed- else. <laughs> Eddie uh, knew way, way more about Thor: The Dark World and the plot points than you and I did, Cody, and it was yeah. kind of embarrassing. But for us, I should say, not for him. But um, maybe we should just turn everything over to him. <laughs> yeah, we were out of our depth, <laughs> and it was immediately apparent. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, we have a quarantine stream uh, where we are talking to people in the entertainment industry about how they're spending their quarantine. Uh, we have a new episode coming this week with uh, comedian Lisa Curry. Uh, she's an LA-based comedian and uh, writer for the Jim Jeffries Show. Um, she. Um, we went back to LA for this one. We, we keep crossing coasts. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, uh, we recorded that over the weekend, uh, the first episode of the weekend and, um, got a, uh, a nice dose of politics in that episode. So yeah, go listen to that one for, for what's going on right now. Um, anything else? Yeah, just my bullshit. I've got uh, the ramble that's on Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Fridays with Eddie Pence and Jerry Rocha. Uh, and then also I have a music podcast called medium fidelity uh, latest episode with drummer Santos Montano from Old Man Gloom is up now. That's a fucking badass name. I still think Santos Montano. Yeah, it, it is. sounds like a like a like. Oh shit! Santos Montano's here. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it sounds like a cartel person. <laughs> Jocelyn, are you going to be watching HBO Max now for the next week? I was mad that y'all told me about that at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Browse through that film section, and I think you will be. Like pleasantly surprised at the amount were. of stuff. What, what was the one that I? Uh, there was something I was really excited for. I can't remember what it is, other than Space Ghost. Um, regular show. Oh yeah, God, I loved Regular Show. Well, you just a, guessed it. Yeah, he well because we we were he Cody was showing me his shit um, <laughs> that he like <laughs> that he was loving and uh, we were we were comparing stuff and uh, I put that in like Space Ghost and something else in my queue. Um, uh oh like popeye and uh, uh. <laughs> they have scooby-doo also yeah they have a oh, yeah, shitload they, of scooby-doo uh-huh. they have uh david spade's first stand-up special take the hit which is a great stand-up special hmm. um yeah we were looking for um racist looney tunes to see if they <laughs> if, <they've> <laughs> if they had that them out yeah and they for sure they did i was i was convinced they did i because disney plus still has a few of those things hanging around yeah like with um you know, disclaimers in front of them, but um, Warner Brothers is just like, nope. And I mean, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't Definitely. need to see that. Yeah. Anyway, um, anything else before we go? No, I think it's going to be interesting to get to, uh, I've, I've already circled June 12th in my calendar for 
that's a that's going to be. I don't know if either of you are aware of that, but June twelfth is is a day where it's it's King of Staten Island, the uh, Five Bloods, <laughs> and Artemis Fowl all come out on that day. So is Artemis Fowl a a movie or is it a TV series? It's a movie. It's a Disney Plus. It well, it moved to Disney Plus. Um, oh, okay. I thought they were doing a TV series for some reason. Nope. It's uh, and it's it, well, all right then. It's one of the biggest profiled uh, Disney Plus releases up until this point because that was going to have that full, you know, that full release, and it's Kenneth Branagh directed it. So it's, I mean, it's you know, interesting. All right. It's got Josh Gad. What else could you ask for? <sighs> I can't. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. All right. On that note, I am Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Jocelyn Dorian. Thank you for listening to this Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.